0: that God's got a plan. And if you'll just keep coming back for more, uh, just keep coming back for more. That's my my, like standard advice for everything. Like just keep coming back for more. Well,
1: what's up guys? We hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally.
0: I'm Josiah Keneally.
2: We're your hosts. This is the Young Adults Today Podcast. Please subscribe and you'll never miss a thing. We wanna invite you March 1st and 2nd to Minneapolis, Minnesota for the Young Adults Today Leader Conference. This is for pastors, next-gen leaders, people leading young adult ministries from across the country. It won't be the same without you there. Why should they come?
1: Well, you should be coming because you can have an amazing opportunity to meet your next best friend, potentially understand that you are not alone in leadership, but also just get poured into and just take a deep breath of like, What does God have for me? What does he have for the ministry? And how can I get a breath of fresh air in my lungs and in my sails as I begin 2024? There'll be breakout sessions. There'll be worship. There'll be some speakers and an opportunity for us just to get to do life and fun together. And we don't have to be strangers anymore. We get to be friends.
2: It's incredible. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at the King's Council. Riley Meek is the founder and the King's Council really is your tribe. Especially if you're a young leader, if you're an entrepreneur, if you want to move from entrepreneur to entrepreneur, maybe 2024 is the year that you start a side hustle, start a nonprofit, start a business. The King's Council has courses, mastermind communities that you can find other like-minded people because look, leadership does not need to be lonely. You can find out more by visiting www.youngadults.today.com partners and visit more in the show notes here's today's episode this past weekend we were just in missouri we flew Mm -hmm. into st louis both of us mike and i through our ministry young adults today Mm -hmm. we're contacted by some amazing friends and leaders Mm -hmm. um ben and kate burton who host remix young adults they are the the pastors there in Mm -hmm. cape Girardo, missouri and they had a remix young adult weekend, basically all day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, kind of the same. It's been said as a change of pace and a change of place can lead to a change of perspective, right? There was a hungry group of young adults. And they talk talked about what God did in us and through us and in the lives of young people there this past weekend.
1: Well, ultimately we just came alongside some amazing people that are in our life to kind of just make their dream, our dream essentially, and just to hold up their arms. So they let us come in and pray and teach and preach and do a couple of breakout sessions where we really leaned into ultimately the verse in Ephesians chapter five, awake. O sleeper. It was kind of the theme. So what our prayer is and what their prayer is that as a listener and as a young adult, that your faith would be awakened, that you would be awakened in any area of life that you were sleeping in. So we really leaned into that by just pulling and drawing from the text and hopefully challenging and encouraging those who are struggling in their relationships. Um, in their family dynamics, in their interpersonal relationships with dorm rooms and finding that first job and any and all in between, because relationships and people are everywhere. But ultimately we want to see the greatness pulled out in them because we all have something to offer the world around us.
2: I think the highlight for me this past weekend was Saturday night. So the second night, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I will say of this whole weekend that young adults in worship started on Friday night where most groups end on a Sunday. Right. They were just hungry for going after the presence of God, yeah, the power of God and an intimate relationship with Jesus and going deeper, awaking from the slumber and, yeah. r- and rising up. And, you know, Saturday night, there was just some extended time of prayer and pastors ben and kate were on one side we were on another side and it was just kind of Mm -hmm. one of those moments where if you want prayer come forward and we'd we'd be happy to just you know join our faith with yours and one of the young adults that he sent me a dm after this weekend that i'm just going to read part of and Mm -hmm. this is a guy who had told us that he has 10 siblings there's 11 in his family and he'd never been prayed for Mm -hmm. out loud yeah and that was just the moment where the holy spirit kind of hit me and just paused in that moment of how significant it is to pray together right to join our faith together to believe for a miracle mm-hmm. and believe for healing and restoration and forgiveness where there's been unforgiveness and he just sent me a dm and he goes hey just hopefully you remember meeting and i definitely did and he just said you and your wife really touched me in my heart this weekend and i'm extreme extremely grateful that i got to meet both of you and that there was just the opportunity to, to join together in prayer. Right. And I think that that's so, so powerful. We're really grateful that we were able to go yeah. and that God is meeting and ministering young adults. What was maybe a highlight for you?
1: Oh my gosh. I think it's always when you're in a room what? that's hungry, it becomes electric and it becomes contagious for sure. And it was not about the hype. It was definitely about the hunger. And I think, when you're in a room with young adults that are only wanting and seeking the, the breakthrough, the miracles, the, the healing that they're desiring and intimacy with God, I think that that just reminds me, always reminds me, why do we do what we get to do? Like, why do we do what we do? It's because we don't have to, we we get to and we choose to. So I think just spraying on that they are wanting to learn how to choose Christ each and every single day and invite him in. On the process of indulging of adulting instead of saying okay i'm just going to show up and just show off no there's a hunger for like wanting to be in step and in cadence with christ so i think ultimately is the hunger and that builds excitement in all of us and it should like that's what it is all about of you know coming alongside each other in that process
2: we're passionate about the faith of the next generation and reaching young adults for christ in our world today. We drop new episodes every Monday, so hopefully those help uh, just bless your life and your leadership and help you move forward and starting and strengthening new things in the new year. We're joined by our special guest, Josh Wellborn. Welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, so good to be on here and so thankful that you guys are providing this resource for young adults and those who work with them.
2: You got it, mm-hmm. man. It's a Love
0: blessing. It. And um, Josh Welborn is the
2: national youth director for the Assemblies of God USA. He's our friend. And uh, Josh, we just want to kick it to you. Maybe you could start sharing some of your life journey of how did you get to where you're sitting today?
0: Yeah. Well, the 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 elevator answer is I just kept coming back for more, <laughs> but. <laughs> But since we're not on an elevator, I'll I'll expound on that a little bit. But uh, I'm I'm a I'm a PK uh, raised in the assemblies of God. Uh, My folks both serving in ministry to this day, uh, different capacities. They were youth pastors, lead pastors, district directors. Uh, My dad was a traveling evangelist for a lot of my youth years. He was a gospel recording artist in the '70s and early '80s, and uh, that was my, you know, so ministry and being around ministry was um, not for lack of a better term, but for the intentionality of of processing this thought, uh, ministry was the family business and people were the family business and discipleship was the family business. And uh, it was the years, it was my young adult years where I had to sift through calling uh, versus maybe the darker side of, of family business, if that makes sense. Um, the, and by that I mean. Uh, when you're going to minister to people and you're going to work with people, it doesn't always go smooth. Mm-hmm. And prepare to have your heart broken, and prepare mm-hmm. to have uh, investment in in people turn into uh, infiltrated with weeds, and 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 uh, your investment not always taking root and and scorched by the sun, as as Jesus would say in the parable of the sower. So uh, for me, the journey was again. I say, just keep coming back for more, because for me. I, I never turned my back on God. i discovering my call to ministry was i I feel like it was difficult. Uh, but coming back for more was easy if if you you know, so for me, I didn't i I've sensed a call to ministry at age fourteen. didn't accept that till age twenty three. And so for nine years, there was this like, I don't know, is it, is it just because it's the family business or is God actually doing something? And I think the Lord would say to all of us, if you'll just keep saying yes to the little things, if you'll just keep being obedient, if you'll fight the urge to uh, gravitate towards bitterness or jadedness, uh, I have I do have a plan for your life. And so that was my story. So became a youth pastor at the age of 26 after volunteering for a lot of years in my local church. And uh, pursuing another career, a couple of different careers, and finding, you know, the Lord, I say, I say finding my wife, um, uh, the Lord giving me, <laughs> leading me to my, my wife. And at the age of 26, uh, we both went into full-time ministry, became youth pastors, uh, moved to Seattle, Washington. And then uh, after a couple of years there, the Lord, you know, took us to the Midwest. We were in Michigan for 15 years after that as both youth pastors and uh, district youth directors and for the last 6 years we have been uh, in springfield missouri uh, working at the national office of the assemblies of god as you already mentioned serving in the the youth department so that's the that's the uh, abbreviated maybe hopefully hopefully that wasn't too long but no, some so little good. details there
1: that's so good josh we thank have four you for kids. sharing that yeah. Four. Awesome. Yeah, so we're busy. What <laughs> are their ages? Are they into the young adulthoods yet? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So we have two boys that are young adults. So 18 and, and a senior in high school, or excuse me, 20 and a senior in high school, age wow. 20. So a sophomore in college, senior in high school. And then we have two girls, freshmen in high school and uh sixth graders. So coming into the middle school. So we have a we have a uh, a full blown student ministry going on in our own home. So and then we have a young adult that lives with us temporarily. Was engaged. And so <laughs> we've got we've we've got a full house right now.
1: I love that. Well thank you. Thank you for coming back for more because we're yeah. on your shoulders in some way, shapes, and form just because of your obedience. Mm-hmm. And for the listener, that obedience is essential. And we know that Jesus called the teenagers, right? He chose the disciples and you said that you were called into ministry or felt the pull at age 14. Right. So that's, that's about the same age, 14 to 19. You know, that's, those are teenagers and that's young. And knowing that you have a couple of young adults in your own home, why, we would just be curious to see Josh, why do you believe that the faith of the next generation is so vital and important in this day and age?
0: Yeah. So that, and, and I think for whatever the next generation is, it's, it's always so essential. And, 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 and there are certainly lots of scriptural references we can we can jump to uh, about passing our faith on to the next generation but one of the things that is a unique opportunity is that the next the the things that have shocked us in our development that were experiences we had uh, be it on the national stage or personal those become the those become the uh, they, those become normative for the next generation when they hear our stories when they live through our experience. So I think of something that's close to you guys, very recent, uh, the George Floyd mm-hmm. uh, uh, tragedy. Mm-hmm. When that happened, about a month later, my family we were in Minnesota and we drove the kids through that neighborhood where that took place, and there were. Uh, lots of people out. There was no demonstration or protesting. It, it it looked like people trying to get back to normal but still grieving and mourning what had happened and questioning what does justice look like. And that was such an emotional thing for me as an adult to watch unfold. But my children were processing it a little bit different. To them, this is like, well, this is normal. So a young person, these shocking things happen and they go, oh, this is normal now, that's not for all things that are shocking to us, but that's an example of something that they watch on the news. They go, yeah, well, they were, you know, that man was mistreated and these people are very upset that 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 seems normal to me. So the idea that there's racial inequity in our society and that we should do something to make sure that we're helping those in need, we're we're reaching out to those who who uh, maybe don't have the advantages we have Um that would that i was hoping that that would be the response my kids had it's like hey we can you know we can actually do something about this whereas as a 40 something i watched that unfold and i go oh my word like i i mean my goodness how long has it been since martin luther king had a dream on the steps of the the washington Monu- mon- monument like my like why is this happening today whereas our our children are going oh like we we can fix this and so this, we can fix this attitude, I think is, and, and this is, again, we can go scriptural, but I'm just talking pragmatically. Like our kids, our students uh, uh, are not shocked by the challenges of the changing uh, landscape of gender in America. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm mm-hmm. terrified. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to hole up and homeschool them and, and you know, right? And, and and in some cases, maybe, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to pick on those who choose that tactic, but but it's horrifying to me, whereas my children are going, yeah, yeah, yeah this is normal. And, and we know what the Bible says, and we know what God wants for us, and we know God's plan for sexuality because we've been taught it in the church, and our parents have unpacked that for us and reinforced it, and they live it, and they model it, all the things. So we, we're not shocked by this, in fact, and, and I think that it's that emotional state of, yeah, we we see what the challenge is and we're not scared. I think that's the fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to sow seeds of solution. And in many ways, they are better equipped than I am to take on some of the relevant challenges that are are again. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s like I did, they're shocking. But if you grew up in the 2010s and the 2020s, you're going, yeah, yeah, it's normal. God's God's still God and and He's bigger than all this. And, you know, and I don't know why it is that as we get older. I would hope that as we get older, God gets bigger, but some, in some ways God gets smaller
1: because mm-hmm. we're
0: going, oh no, what are we going to do? Everybody panic. And I just love that the next generation, that's not their, that's not their response. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. We know this. We've seen this before. God's, God's real and he's going to do what he does. And the Holy Spirit still has power. Whereas the older generation were like, oh, let's come up with a new plan. Oh, what was wrong with the old plan of trusting God? You know, so. I'm I'm oversimplifying and I'm painting with a huge broad brush uh, Mm. on generations, but, but to answer the question, you know, what do I love about the next generation? They're, they're not overcome with, with grief uh, when they see the challenges in the spiritual realm that are are playing out in the cultural uh, wars. I think that's one of the things that's so powerful about, maybe
2: it's a youth camp or a young adult retreat or, Mm. you know, a, a, a next-gen conference where i know we were just that one and the song came on like when did my faith in the impossible like disappear a lyric something like that and um i still pray for (laughs) god Mm -hmm. like uh i still pray all the time for breakthrough miracle power but Mm -hmm. there's something about young adulthood and just um being young that that God can do anything and there's just a pure faith and um, we need to be reminded of it often. I think that that's what's so (laughs) good about the next generation being a part of our communities of faith is there's a vibrancy. The wave starts in the student section. We need to be reminded of some of that pure joy and authentic just excitement. Um, And something that we were talking about before we even pressed record was this idea, Micah, you brought it up of an extreme volunteer. What did you mean about that? And let's pick Josh's brain about extreme volunteers.
1: Well, I think Josh, you even kind of alluded to the the level of volunteering of which you and your wife were doing prior to being full-time youth ministers at age 26, getting married and that whole journey that you guys embarked upon together as a married couple. But I would say- I would say my definition, and I would love to hear what what Josh has to think or has to say about that or what he thinks about that. But, the extreme volunteer in my mind is what we, what I call individuals who are leading young adults as a volunteer at extreme levels, meaning that they're opening up their home. They have one-on-ones, they're doing life side-by-side. They may be 28 and then pouring into the 25 and younger crew. They may be 25 and maybe they have a lot more wisdom when they're hanging out with the 29 year old. It all depends on their, their depth and their intimacy with God that kind of just puts them in the role of leadership. An extreme volunteer is the one that shows up first and leaves last. Like they are going to hold up the arms of the leaders. They understand the vision. They can help cast that vision. They know where the leader's taking them, where they're going. Because we know in any form of our leadership, even the Bible says without um, vision, the people perish. So the extreme volunteer, they catch it and they get it right away. Those are the people that I pray for and that I want to snatch right up because I'm like, you get it. You understand like why this is so important. Like, You and the young adults, they're not going anywhere and they're going to keep coming. These generations after they're 18, you enter into something we call adulting, adulthood. So the extreme volunteer, I'd say is a, some might call it a glorified volunteer who's absolutely passionate about reaching the 18 to 30 year old, whether they're in that demographic or not. Um, And maybe they're not necessarily pastor or called to full-time ministry. This is just a role that they love.
2: They're functioning in it.
1: Yeah. And they just pour out. So. That's what I would describe it as. Would you say that you were an extreme volunteer before you said yes to your call in ministry?
0: Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Uh, that, I mean, that was the key to unlocking me discovering my calling. Like, like if I hadn't done that, I, th- I I, don't think I would have discovered it at all. And so for me in full-time ministry, um, that was essential. But I think that's true for all vocations, you know. I, it, with young adults, it, it's interesting that that during that young adult season, which Josiah, I think we talked on the phone about this one. It's the only stage in our discipleship because we we work a lot on age and stage discipleship content in church ministries, right? You know, what are we doing with the babies? What are we doing with the children? When do they transition to youth ministry? When do they transition to young adult? What's the pastor doing to integrate young adults? Like we think about this age and stage thing so, so much. And the young adults are the one group that are defined not by age, but rather stage. And there's a myriad of stages within this big, you know, thing we call, you know, so post-college is totally different than young, you know, uh, young professional or or, or career, uh, young career is totally different than young married. Yeah. Uh, young married is similar to young family, right? Uh, but most would say those are all categories of young adult. And here's the thing, they make the three biggest decisions of their lives during that season. And throughout history, it was your family and your your tribe, your village, that kind of made those decisions for you. And now we don't do that for our young adults anymore. We tell them here, we've, we've raised you now go make the three biggest decisions of your life. And, and you guys already know what those three biggest decisions are. And maybe if anybody had time to think about them, they would arrive at them as well. So I don't mean to be elusive, but it's simply, what are you going to do for a career? Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So historically that was determined. Oh, you know, if your father was a carpenter, you became a carpenter, just like Jesus. Fisherman, et cetera. Uh, and that that wasn't just a Bible time thing that, that existed here in the United States up until, I don't know, I'm not a, not a master level sociologist or anything, but um, up until, you know, recent history, that was the way to go. Uh, the idea of an arranged marriage is abhorrent to Western culture today. But until, again, fairly recent history, that was the norm. And you would never you would never be like, well, I think I want to live in California uh, prior to you know, a hundred years ago, um, growing up in the Midwest. Right. Uh, and if you did, it was, it was a wagon train and a, and a three month journey that might take your life for the ones you love. You know what I mean? It was this huge thing, not dad. Can I have a thousand bucks for a down payment on a, on an apartment in, uh, in yeah, West Covina? Um, so, so it's just interesting to me. So, so you mentioned extreme volunteering. I got excited about that because whatever your career path, if you'll throw your, with the same work ethic that you just described, a volunteer who's serving the language you were using, I I, I contextualize for in a church. Mm-hmm. But if you'll take that same work ethic to any venue, you will discover whether or not you have a calling, a gifting, a gra- if God's given you a grace for operating in that field, be it finance, education, uh, whatever, the list goes on. So- I love, love, love that extreme volunteering. I And I would also say it should be contextualized within the church because that is the community of faith within which to filter uh, interpretation of culture and career. We always want to interpret culture through the, the lens of, yes, scripture, first and foremost. And ideally, we do that within our community as well. and uh, And that should be the church. <laughs> so, yeah, so good. Those yeah. are my thoughts on it. I love you said that during our pre pre-show visit. And I never heard that before. I'd never heard the term extreme volunteering. So I was very excited to hear that term because it, it gives a lot of, it gives a lot of context to what I want for my own children.
2: Mm. Cause good. I know
0: how, I know how heavily it weighs on them. I've got a 17 a year old and a 20 and a year old. I know how heavily it weighs on them wanting to discover God's plan for their life, but also wanting to be responsible. Always want, you know, work ethic, all the things. And in hindsight, the key to that for me was extreme volunteering, just saying yes and coming back for more and and letting the Lord do the rest.
1: Yeah, Josh, I can definitely relate. So even elements of my story is born and raised in North Dakota, Was went to school for business communication. So I was doing graphic designing, I was doing just org charts, all that kind of stuff. In addition to teaching fitness classes. I loved. So I became a personal trainer and fitness coach and I absolutely loved it. Like I came alive and it was teamed up with, um, a local college campus. So I'd be teaching classes and then they see me on a Sunday at church. And then I realized like, wow, there is nothing here for young adults. So like we just began praying like 12 of us, then it was like 35 of us. And then we kind of captured the lead, like lead pastor's, I of like wow, there's 35 of you wanting to meet, and then it was 75, and it's like you can use the youth building, but we're gonna have to find somebody to sustain this because I, as a Elite cannot take on another, you know, whole, you know, wing essentially of a ministry, and it grew to over 200 within one year. So it's like from 100 January to January, we're averaging at least 200, and I would have never said yes to ministry. I don't think if I wouldn't have been praying, wouldn't have had a need in my life, which was community. So I'm very much a pioneer of like, well, if I don't have what I need, I'm going to create it because obviously other people probably feel this need too. So it's, it's going first essentially. And and that's where I became a glorified volunteer of just starting a Bible study. And then it turned into a ministry. Then it turned to an internship. Then it turned to internship after that into full-time staff. And then it's like, hey, you're not a pastor yet. So you should consider North Central University, you know, to further your education, to get, you know, to get ordained, and get licensed and take that process. So no matter what field you're in, I would say that this is an extreme volunteer is almost a beta test for what your life could be or what we'd call maybe in the business world, a job shadow, <laughs>
0: you yeah, know, or, an or something where you're kind sure.
1: of, right. And you're kind of just being exposed to what does everyday life look like? Does this make me come alive? Or is this like slowly draining my soul each and every single day? And I would never want to do this. Yeah. So I think I came alive in that world, that world, which I probably said never. I hated public speaking, quiet, reserved. I'm like, oh man, no, I'm good. And now it's like, okay, I'm just no longer that person, but Taking and putting myself in those positions of, okay, I'm uncomfortable, but God has something here and maybe you'll keep coming back. So I don't know. It just is awesome to see that. So maybe you're listening today and you find yourself in an extreme volunteer. Maybe you feel a calling of ministry and you maybe haven't even demonstrated that to your leader yet. And maybe our leader already knows, I would say deepen that conversation, or if you want to deepen your level of um, involvement in the ministry, which you're serving or longing to see, you know, be birthed in some ways, maybe you're listening today and like, wow, that's me. That's my church. That's my Bible study. What does God have? Obviously everything is birthed in prayer. Um, But Josh, I would just be so curious. You have two young adults, two youngers. In the middle school era, in the high, um, freshman year of high school, I would say, what have you seen like in your own children, or what excites you the most about this current generation that is active, living, alive, under your roof?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll paint with a broad brush once again. Uh, Gen Z is pushing back against the perceived stereotype that millennials are not hard workers again just a perceived stereotype obviously not we all know examples of millennials who have a better work ethic than their than their gen x and boomer predecessors like we we all know examples of those but again there's a there's this cultural narrative that says mm-hmm. They're entitled. They expect to start working at seventy-five thousand dollars a year, fresh out of college. They expect to have four-day weekends, you know, things like that. And throw in there the bubble wrap generation, which was not defined necessarily by a time frame, but rather by uh, parents overprotecting. Uh, and I, as as someone who's done some hiring in the last fifteen years, it's more than once that I've had a call from a parent. Uh, about a work thing. And so some of those stereotypes have played out in my experience in leading millennials. But again, on the other side of it, I can name millennials that have a better work ethic than any any boomer or exer that I've worked with, myself included. So all that to say, I've seen it in my own kids, and I think I'm seeing it in youth ministries. They are pushing back against that perception. And they're saying, heck no, it's it's I, I think it's the book uh, Meet Gen Z. It says, and I can't remember the name of the author right now. That was probably put out by the Barna Group. James Emery White. Good work. Good citation. Well done, <laughs> Professor. Um, <laughs> got you. Um, the the quote, if I maybe you can help me with the quote, then Josiah. It was Gen Z will have the um, the work ethic of the greatest generation, but mm-hmm. the cynicism of Gen X. Hmm. And uh nobody knows much about the cynicism of Gen X because we didn't really spend much time talking about them. That's that's me. I'm I'm Gen X. And and the way I paraphrase what defines me as Gen X is I want to succeed really, really bad, but I really, really want it to look like I'm not trying very hard. Uh so that was that was that that that, that to me, that's Gen X in a nutshell. And so what I even see with my own kids, they're all entrepreneurial, they're wow. all finding multiple streams of income wow. in their teen years. And so trying to help them with uh, how to manage their finances in a way that I didn't have to do as a teenager is pretty remarkable and pretty exciting. And so as a parent, I go, man, I'm not worried about them at all. Uh, They're going to be just fine. Um, That's just one one thing that I see fleshing out already. In the area of discipleship, I think discipleship for those of us in church leadership, especially those of us who've who've kind of emerged into administrative roles. Uh, we're constantly course correcting. We're constantly going, okay, how do we do this better? How do we be more like Christ? How do we how do we be, have a more biblical model and 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 one of the things that certainly has emerged with um Millennials and and older Gen Z is that I'm afraid that oftentimes we disciple students and and this is not these are not my original thoughts. I I, I would cite, but I don't remember so if you know where this started, please jump in. Is that oftentimes we disciple young adults, and they look more like the church that they came from than they look like Jesus. So when they go to college, or when they go to uh, a new a new part of the country, and they want to find a community of faith, but it turns out that their 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 worship preferences aren't just preferences; these are these are deeply rooted discipleship DNA elements that were were crafted to look like a, a local faith community and not so much. To look like Jesus, and it doesn't mean that those two things don't intersect. But we all know, from church to church, even so, I represent the Assemblies of God. If you go to one Assemblies of God church on one side of town, you go to one on the other side of the town. Uh, one on the other side of town, you might have two totally different experiences in terms of worship style, in terms of sermon, uh, in terms of of, of uh, the way a community interacts with one another. So, I really, really want to lean into. Creating discipleship opportunities that are strictly um, filtered through through mm. biblical uh, uh, biblical guiding principles, I suppose biblical dimensions. Um, we call them the seven dimensions of a spirit filled disciple. Is kind of something that's emerged in this office as we've had that conversation, and um, and I think I, I think we're on the right track with that but again as i said if you're if you're in the business of of creating discipleship resources you have to also be in the business of course correcting so hopefully that's, we're on to something mm-hmm. good oh that's phenomenal one of our friends grant he he
2: just was like man i don't think it's a next gen problem that the church is facing he goes i think it's a discipleship problem mm. and when he said that i went mm. <clears throat> you know what I think he's right because I just think that for Jesus, this was uh, there's one poem that talks about our Savior as the three and a half mile an hour God, because he walked everywhere he went, and just the the pace that he was not in a hurry, he wasn't in a rush, and I think that
0: we sometimes People literally died waiting on Jesus, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's not even hyperbole, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I think we live in such a um, fast paced culture and crave, I think the pace of Mm -hmm. what's convenient many times that it, it can be, I mean, and at the same time, there is no rushing discipleship. There's, there's no shortcut to it. It's just I think it's a life on life sharing Mm -hmm. overcooked meals at a table in families. Um, But I'd be curious to follow that up. Josh, what are some of the ways that maybe a young adult leader listening could um, apply? Or what what are some ways that are maybe an opportunity for the next generation in their churches and communities to create some discipleship? pathways and opportunities for young adults to be integrated into the faith community
0: yeah well i think there's a few of them that 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 pastors can do to integrate young adults into the the overarching faith community the first one is relationship and that cannot be overstated i i i don't know how to i i i don't know how to drill that into People's heads. Uh, my generation, we said ministry flows through relationships, and relationships take time. Uh, spending time with people. Uh, and then the second one is relationship. Um God. <laughs> wasn't that the first one? <laughs> yes, I think it was John Maxwell said, He who spends the most time wins. Mm. Uh yes, it was the first one. I you're, you're you're
1: You're listening.
0: (laughs) uh, Yeah. You're listening well. And and hopefully my Mm point is coming across relationship, relationship, relationship. I think that, you know, I know that this question's up next on our roster. You uh, framed it as what can lead pastors do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pitch this back to all, uh, all of those who, who have a pastoral spiritual leadership role in the church, it's 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 your job yes to spend time 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 mix in biblically rich content the fact is if you're living a, a spirit-filled life pursuing uh, your own spiritual disciplines and growing in in your love for Jesus all all the only thing you have to add to the mix is time with people the rest of it will come for those who desire a more formulaic approach well You teach the things that that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, and the things that Jesus has taught you in your journey. I I I talked about lead pastors for just a moment, so I'll I'll finish that thought and and then and then conclude with that in terms of responding to this topic. Unless you have other, we can we can talk about as long as you want, but I'll stop talking here in a moment. I think I think spiritual leaders and pastors have a unique ability to identify those who are called to ministry in the mix. And I don't, you know, we have a great resource out of the national office. It's a book entitled Called. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young man named John Zick wrote that and just did a phenomenal job creating a resource for teenagers to discover a pathway to developing their call to ministry. But I also think that it's incumbent upon us to look at the next generation say, man, who has that same calling that I have? The reason that you as a pastor specifically will I like, be able to identify this is because you have that anointing yourself. You, you smell it on yourself, so you will smell it on others. That is hyperbole. That's not literal. Um, you, will, you will recognize the trappings of a 13, 14, 15, 17, 21, 22-year-old who is called to ministry, and I think it's incumbent upon young adult pastors, upon youth pastors upon lead pastors to identify who that is and you say, well, that's an overwhelming task. if you'll stand around, if you'll if you'll poke your poke, poke your nose in on the young adult service, on the youth service, if you'll watch them interact with each other in the altars if you'll if you'll pay attention to how they hang out in the parking lot, if you'll stop in on some of those youth gatherings, you'll start to notice some leadership emerging. And then you say, well, well, is that spiritual leadership or is it a natural uh, leadership ability that God's going to use in the marketplace, in the nonprofit world, et cetera? And I just, I just love, love, love hearing the stories of those who are called to ministry. And it was at a young age that that lead pastor took a special interest in helping them discover that calling. Uh, author of that book John Zick he would he has store every virtually every youth pastor that went through his church during the time he was a student and the lead pastor all to this day keep in touch with him because they were invested when he was in his teens and now in his 30s they still follow up on him and I think that's not just one of the responsibilities that we have as ministers it's one of the great pleasures that we get uh to walk with young people on that journey so um I answered two of your questions <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love it. That's I love so it, good. and
1: we've
2: had John Zick on the show and mm-hmm. talked about awesome. Calling. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a huge part of the conversation when it comes to discipleship because we are enlisted. All of us have the capacity to, at, on some level, disciple others, and it might be a vocational capacity, it might be an extreme volunteer mm-hmm. capacity. But I think that that's so so important that we mm-hmm. all catch that vision of equipping the saints. And, and maybe it was like, I know one of the reasons I was somewhat willing to explore ministry is I had somebody take a special interest in me. And I remember before I was called, I just thought if I could have the same impact that that one Brent Silkey had on me, and I Love could that. do that for one other person. Mm-hmm man it, 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 my life would be worth it like that that would be so so meaningful yeah that's um good. and and so i i think that calling is just um and and to now look for other people to impact or to see like hey i see leadership in you i i can ride with that i think that that's something that we can all um take note on
1: yeah I think that's good. One thing that we really lean into while we lead young adults is what we've realized the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years of doing young adult ministry is people don't view you as their pastor until they've been at your dinner table. People don't trust you until they've been invited for that cup of coffee and it's put on the calendar and it actually happens. So we were just had a conversation just yesterday with one of our friends <clears throat> on the West Coast and we were just unpacking some of the things and I was like, listen, here's the deal. The generation that is currently like rising up, they can view a transactional person a mile away. Oh, this is transactional. I don't want nothing to do with it oh, you're relational. I'm going to lean in. And so we're really just uncovering discovering this the last few years of like, wow, there's a transactional approach that people have in ministry, which is very self-serving and next gen can see it a mile away. But what they're craving is relationship. If they're the Mm. longest generation, what they want is relationship. And if we can create room for those people at our literal dinner table and say, no matter how many people come here, there's always room for more. If somebody is late, you set another plate. And I think that when it comes to the relational equity of which leaders wish they had to put forth, I feel like what we really do need to do is just slow down and take a breath as leaders. And I always pray for three things. I pray anytime I mentor a young woman, I say, listen, I pray for three things for you and for myself. And I would encourage you to adopt this. And this is wisdom knowledge and discernment as a leader and as a pastor when you start praying for wisdom from that from God it even says if you lack wisdom ask it'll be given to you right and then we have the discernment and the discernment is the biggest piece and the biggest factor that i I wish every young adult had when they're making decisions like discerning like who do i let in on this dream do i take this job discerning like oh i'm praying for this relationship do i say yes to go on a first date with this guy that's been pursuing me like So even just the spirit of discernment is something I pray of this generation. And I would even just ask, like in the, in the transitional 12 years of the 18 to 30 year old, and you already said it like it's college, it's career, it's young adult marrieds, it's singles, it's the occupation is knocking on the door and they don't know which door to answer the family. Am I going to have kids? Oh no, I run out of time. You're 20. You got plenty of time. You know, all these things start coming out and it's overwhelming, So when it comes down to the wisdom, knowledge and discernment factor and just those pivotal decisions that they have, is there like, what can we do as leaders? Is there one to two things that young adult ministry leaders can do to the best of our ability to help young adults just transition, whether that's a high schooler into college, a college into career, um, maybe back into the local church, like what are one or two things that we can practically do? That would kind of just help people transition better in the midst of the crazy world and decisions of which we have to make, (laughs) we get to make.
0: Yeah. So I, I was making notes as you were talking, I wrote down discernment, wisdom, and knowledge that I don't think I got them in the right order, (laughs) but I love that. I, I, I would offer some alliteration, uh, for a young adult pastor helping transition. So community consistency and character. And some of that, I, I, based on what you were saying, Micah, with wisdom, knowledge, and discernment, community, I say that from just watching my son last year in his freshman year in college, he did community college, uh, so there wasn't a, um, there wasn't an obvious Christian community, to, there wasn't a Kyle Alpha, there, although there was one at Missouri State, so he went to that, but that wasn't his school, And and trying to figure out where that was, so I know that was a huge challenge for him. Um, consistency, you mentioned, uh, if someone shows up late, we make a plate for them anyway. Mm -hmm. I think, I think staying consistent with, and I'm going to use the word flaky because sometimes when you're in your thirties or forties, and and I'm talking to young adult pastors, you see some of the behavior of a 20 something is flaky. That's not, call it what you want. That's taco Tuesday in young adult ministry. You're going to get more of that. Uh, oh, I didn't put that. I didn't show up because I didn't have that in my calendar. I don't have a calendar. Okay. Well, you know, this is, this is the wisdom piece of what you're talking about, Micah. Like we have to help them with mm-hmm. practical things like, oh, you don't keep a calendar. You know, you probably should. <laughs> Let's talk about ways that you can Seriously. not miss this cool thing that you wanted to be in on. Uh, I think of the, the, I remember this firsthand buying tickets to a show and showing up the day after the show having wasted money, not being able to go to the show because I didn't write it down, you know? So that was a, so there's, there's a hundred dollar lesson. I'll remember to, so I kept a calendar from then on. Uh, And and again, the consistency to keep coming back for more in the life of those that we're investing in relationally, even when we don't get a a perceived return on that. We always used to say in youth ministry, when I was a youth pastor, you don't get to see whether you're successful or not this week, next week, or even this year. You get to see if you're successful or not 10 years from now when they're an adult following Jesus. And so uh, thanks to social media, I'm able to see my former students uh, raising their children on on Facebook and and taking them to church and seeing, oh, okay, it, it did work. And, but, and on the converse, I see people that are not serving the Lord that I go, oh, my goodness, I thought for sure. We, we were successful with them. Why? Because they showed up to all of our events and our classes. And so, uh, and then character. The character is a two-way street. You're, you reproduce what you are. That doesn't stop uh, when they graduate high school. So right. as leaders investing in young adults, being able to instill and build that character, um, we in the church are, are kind of... Um, when someone displays a lack of characters and it erodes trust, we distance ourselves from that. Jesus didn't do that. Um, The parable of the lost sheep, he leans in on the sheep who is away, you know, so helping young adults develop character that's going to serve them for the rest of their lives. Having candid conversations about finances, you know, where are you tithing? You know, are you, are you, are you teaching good financial stewardship? Um, that, that is finances are so, so important at that age, because uh, this is where, this is where you learn to manage little. And if you can manage little, well, you'll be given more, but if you don't manage little, well, you're not going to be given more. Um, and, and I want, I want my kids, I want young adults that I influence to, to be blessed. So I'll just, just to read, just to summarize. So building community. Being consistent community consistency and character uh i think are 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 uh, i was a young adult pastor um at two different churches and th- those had had it to do over today those would be my my starting points
1: wow i
2: i love That's that good. i love that i think that um there is such power in community in the, the Mm -hmm. idea that I'm, I'm seen and loved. I think it was a Timothy Keller quote, something to the effect that, you know, to be seen and loved or to be known and loved is our deepest desire, Mm -hmm. but to be loved, but not known is Mm -hmm. superficial to, to be, known, but not loved is our greatest fear. But when we are both, he just compares it to the gospel of Mm -hmm. the, the power that community and Christian community can help us to be known and loved is remarkable. And, and consistency, I think that in the world of young adulthood, this is a transitional community that, I mean, if we can be pillars of consistency, you know, I I think that that's just going to benefit those we minister to. And the character piece, I I love it. When when we train young adult ministry leaders, one of the things I'll often tell them is like, part of your role is you're like a part-time life coach, because you're going to help people put together a budget for the first time. You're going to give out some dating advice. You might even I don't know, I set some people up on dates, um, but even managing a calendar, like these are some of the very simple things like pull out your phone, use this app right now. And I think that with it, you you brought up one other thing about community college. And I'll just say, having gone to a community college, we led a Kai Alpha before doing this Um, in between being on staff at a church and leading young adults today, we were at a community college doing ministry and it is like the wild west because it's it's honestly mike described it as an airport terminal you've Mm -hmm. got thousands of people and they all have their headphones on and nobody really wants to commit to community because they're they're going to be gone soon and so we're all tolerating this waiting room but the very thing that this place is lacking is in its own name community And I just think that anytime I meet somebody in a community college, I lean in because they're going to need some extra connections, some Mm -hmm. extra introductions to relationships. Um, But that's so, so good. But Josh, we are loving this conversation. Mm -hmm. Are you up for five minutes on the clock where we go rapid fire? You up for that?
0: Absolutely. And by the way, I've been taking a ton of notes. Uh, Josiah knows this, but, but we are committed to developing discipleship resources specifically to help young adult pastors and young adults. And, uh, I don't have anything to announce today, but just know that we are working and praying towards meaningful resources from the national office and all the things that I'm learning from just listening to you guys talk, uh, is so, so valuable. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do five minutes, of five and five (laughs) before we set the clock. It doesn't have to be just five minutes, by the way. I've got, I've got, let's see here. I think I've got 40 minutes. Anyway, not that we need to use all 40, but
1: yeah, (laughs) I've got 40
0: minutes. You can have as many of them as you want. Such joy
2: to Mike and I's heart Mm -hmm. to hear what you're talking about with the AG and just
0: our tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you're so encouraging for relationships with young adults and resources. yeah. and let me just say it's 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 leader, it's you guys, you're the Keneally name comes up a lot as I've had conversations about this because of what you've done and the commitment you've had to young adults because for me, I, I mentioned I was a young adult pastor, but if I'm just honest, it was a peripheral assignment. I was at the church to be the youth pastor. oh and by the way, you're doing young adults too. I didn't even know till I got there. Uh, and it was it, it was not hard because young adults oftentimes are just a party waiting to happen. And if you give them a little bit of structure, they make the rest come together. You know, Micah, you mentioned that your group grew uh, in a robust fashion just by providing a few simple ingredients. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you throw in an ingredient of intentionality of discipleship, then you're really onto something. And obviously you guys are doing that, but that's what I'm learning. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, learning from you guys from pooling on past experience and looking into scripture and hearing from the Holy spirit on what we can do to help, help teenagers transition to be young adults and, and members of the the faith community that are, that are healthy, growing and full of love. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Before we do
1: five and five, I have one question for you. So we're adding time on the clock, Josh, for the person who maybe is in the exact season that you just described that when you got on site, that youth job. Oh, and by the way, young adults is also your thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Happens all the time.
1: It Yes, it does happen all the time. And I would just say, what do you, what, what encouragement would you give to that person who's there is like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want. Like my prayer for those people is like, God break their heart for what breaks yours because we don't want to be people that oversee a generation out of our own inconvenience, right. Or our own, this isn't comfortable, you know, like I wasn't called to this or I didn't know. So what advice would you give yourself or give the person who's in that season? is like, dang, I thought it was just youth. Like, how do we not overlook?
0: Yeah. Well, I think anytime your lead pastor gives you an assignment, um, and I don't mean this, this, the, the easiest way to say it is you've just heard from the Lord. And I don't. I don't mean that tongue in cheek. I I don't. I don't mean that as a joke. I don't mean that as a. I don't even mean it as a. Um, pull up your bootstraps and I don't. I don't even mean it as a motivational statement. I I mean it as literally. You've heard from the Lord. The thing about youth ministry is so much of a full time youth pastor's energy goes towards leadership development, and you have to get good at that if you're going to be in the long-term race of of youth ministry. You have to. Um, And what happens is you take that leadership skill and some leadership ability. And for me, I took it to the young adult setting and it wasn't required. It can be helpful, but it wasn't required. What was required was the things that I said, me providing community some structure to community, the consistency of my relational presence, and then some character. Uh, because I regret I, looking back at my my method of coping with my pastor's marching orders was okay. Who am I going to recruit to help me with the youth ministry from this bunch? Uh, all right, what's this? What's going to make this better? How are we going to grow this? What's going to What's going to improve this? Well, let's move it to Saturday night. So let's let's uh, man. We we can't keep doing. You know, we don't have worship teams, so we're just not going to have worship at all. You know, just dumb things that I look back and it's like, why are, Why Why did I do that? They just loved being together, and they already had a schedule. So why did I monkey with the schedule? And you know, the outings were were relatively easy. No permission slips required. Hello, this is not.
1: They can drive themselves.
0: <laughs> the mechanics of how to run a young, run a young adult youth ministry. Again, this is coming from a seasoned youth pastor. The mechanics of running a young adult ministry are easy. The community, the relationship, the consistency—that's that's where you need to lean in. The but you see, and oftentimes in ministry, we think we're being paid to do the mechanical things because usually the ministry stuff comes we've already done that as an extreme volunteer usually they add the paycheck because you've got to do some things that are on the clock that you wouldn't it wouldn't be required otherwise so we try and fill our time with those things because we think that's why we're being paid and in some ways we are um and I realize I'm getting maybe a little vague right now. And I, and it's, and I think I'm also processing right now being a bit of a verbal processor because you're forcing me to reflect on my years Uh two, two different churches, young adult pastor in two different churches. Well, in one of them, I really was more hands-off and it grew and it was awesome. Kind of like what you described Micah and I was 28. So I still was a young adult and it wasn't very long bec- before one of the other young, before one of the other staff pastors had a vision to lead young adults. I, I think it's because we'd made it look fun and, and good. And, and he was, I think it's cause, but, but truly I was pretty hands off with that. And, and then the Lord led us to another church that had kind of a mega church culture, uh mega church. You say, well, what's the difference between mega church, mega church culture? Eh, you can be big, but you don't have to have a mega church culture. Well, why do we define mega church culture in summary? It's systems and process and things like that. So I went to a mega church culture church and, and it was large. And introducing all those systems and process, if I had that to do over again, I wouldn't do it. I would just stick to the relational, the relational piece because the, the again, young adults are pretty much okay with again, you don't have to have permission slips. I don't know, and 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 maybe some of the answer, Micah, is I don't know. <laughs>
1: and that's okay I love it. that's I love okay it.
0: i'm Sorry just processing I'm <laughs> not at all not at all i think that i'm happy to verbally process if you're okay with that
1: no i love it i'm a verbal Beautiful. processor just size the internal processor ah. so, oh yeah
0: so here's for the five and five
1: okay here we go
0: yeah number one favorite sports team kansas city chiefs Ooh, let's go Yeah. Yeah. Well, plus I was I was born and raised in Missouri. And most people don't know that the Kansas City Chiefs are actually in Missouri. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a point of pride that we have a a winning team. See, there you
1: go. I love it. Okay. Question number two. Josh, what is a hobby that you enjoy outside of any form of ministry? What do you do for fun?
0: Yeah. So this is one, nobody, very few people know this one. Cause I don't, I don't really post it on my social media. Cause I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what people would say or think I'm, afra- I'm afraid of. I Project. don't knit. No, I work on cars.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. It, it kind of it. emerged because we had teenage sons who were buying old cars, you know, used cars. Cause that's what, you know, teenage teenagers can afford. And out of that, you know, we're helping them pay for them. It's like, well, so I, I decided to get a cheaper car. So I sold my car. I had a, uh, it wasn't super expensive, but I, I, I got a $4,000, uh, pickup truck and started working on that. And, and, uh, yeah, so now I've, now I've, I've, I went through a Jeep. I went th- again, just under, under $5,000 fixing them up and then selling them not for huge profit. In fact, just kind of breaking even. So I, I, and I was getting the cars that I always kind of wanted to have as a teenager. So these night I got a nineties model pickup truck. I got a, a nineties model Jeep Wrangler and then now i've got a 2005 convertible mustang so it's like kind of all the cars i wished i'd had when i was young that i couldn't afford but um yeah the mustang won't go in reverse so i'm going to be rebuilding a transmission over christmas break
1: <laughs> oh, the- <laughs> Wow! but that's i enjoy it you.
0: <laughs> yeah no <laughs> that's, I, that, that's my that's my hobby that's my non my non uh ministry uh distraction where i get out of my head a little bit
1: i love so that
2: fun. i think i've learned this that um when we're in ministry to have some form of a hobby, that there is a start, there is a problem and there is a solve to it, whether well, yeah. it's HGTV, you know, house stuff or
0: furniture or baseball cards or shoes or cars, I yeah. think it's all great. Mm-hmm. That night, I run just about every morning. So, and uh, you're catching me on a day when I slept in, but but typically I get up and run a 5k most mornings. I can't do it every morning anymore. I'm, my knees are starting to feel that, but
1: yeah. Oh man, Josh, That's it's
2: awesome. Um, yeah. If you could ask Mike and I anything, this is the curveball to
0: you. What what would you want to know? Oh, I'm asking a question. I yeah. Let's see here. Gosh, I wish I'd been more prepared for that one. Well, this one keeps us on our toes. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes, huh? Yeah, just like all right. I did you. <laughs> so so tell me the um. Tell me the thing that that is. That you have to do every day to have a the kind of marriage that you can host a podcast together. because <laughs> hmm. this must be because you guys fired up the the webcam and I saw both of you sitting, there and I thought,, hmm, I don't know if my wife and I could do that. <laughs> so there must be something special going on that that you guys are able to do. That. Maybe it's that one's a verbal processor and one's uh, internal processor, but, but what uh, or or maybe we'll make it a general, general question. Talk about healthy marriage. What are what are the what are the best practices of of uh no healthy marriage? Sure. Well, I
1: will say Carrie Newhoff was fascinated by us and said that we should start a marriage podcast because of our unique dynamic, just from like how I process my personality, my testing and the personality tests versus his and he th- he thought he goes you guys are like a very because, unique dynamic that I've never seen before
2: so. because part of Newhoff's Steel is like when you're at your best and so he's yes. like Josiah when you're at your best I'm like midnight like 10 p.m like I have incredible energy I could write a book tonight at that time um no, when, hey. when are you at your oh desk?
1: seven to seven a.m. to eleven a.m. So there's two o'clock, I'm like, where's my second or third cup of coffee? I'm ready for a nap until about four. That's me. <laughs> well, I hate that. It's like three I relate to school that. School would get out and like, where's a snack? It's snack time.
0: <laughs> so
2: I think there's um oh,
1: okay, anyway, back to the question.
2: There is a opposites are are good for each other. Like, you know, if we were both the same, our pastor, my pastor, he would say, one of you is unnecessary. So I think <laughs> how how the podcast works, I think we just be us. And I think then f- for like marriage advice, I mean, I think it's, it's really simple stuff, but like planning a date night once a week mm-hmm. where we can get away and where we can prioritize our marriage and us, I think that that's been huge. I think reading a marriage book a year Mm -hmm. is something that we try to do. And, and just, we commit to growing together, um, knowing each other, having some friends in our life who care about the success of our marriage that we can talk to that we, that they can pray for us, um. What else would you say?
1: I would say something what we're learning in this season, because we're, we're fundraising, we're missionaries, we feel like to a generation as we lead along non-profit. And one of the things I we've adopted in the last like three months is like we need to celebrate more, celebrate the small things, not just the big birthdays or the holidays, like celebrate all the wins. Like our daughter's potty trained, awesome. Okay, what you get to do next is we're going to paint one wall in your bedroom. Like it's going to be great and you get to help. So I mean, celebrating the small things in marriage and in our family unit, I think is one thing. I would also say uh, blessing and sending is something that we have adopted from Pastor Terry Parkman and Christina. Um, He was a mentor in my life way back in North Dakota, 12, 15 years ago. Um, blessing and sending, meaning like Josiah will go and get a speaking opportunity. And me and the, our daughters, like we bless and send him. We don't say, Oh, dad's leaving and he's telling people about Jesus. No, we're gonna pray for him. We're gonna bless him, send him. He's building memories, and so are we. Our life doesn't stop because he's not here for the weekend or a night or whatever, and vice versa. For sure. The third thing I would say to you to the audience is when you are in marriage. There is a he, a she, and a we factor. That's always going to be there. I still need my time. Josiah still needs his time. And we need our time together. And that looks like, Josiah, I bless and send you to go hang out with Brent and Micah. Like, just go to a game. Go, you know, go and have fun. Me, I'm going to go over here. So recognizing that apart we can function and together we can function because we're working out our own salvation each and every single day. But Christ is at the center of everything we do. So I would say for the marriage person listening how do we do what we get to do? Well, one, we said yes. Two, we said we, we we knew before we got married that we were both called to ministry, uh, specifically young adults, not even knowing each other. And um, yeah, just putting God first in all things, I think, and let everything be birds in prayer. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've been passionate about is don't start anything if God's not there. Like if he's not in it, don't even start it. <laughs> Pray about it. If he says Amen. yes, great. If not, Stop right there. Because right. Maybe that's not what he has. So, great question, long answer. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, it's fun to watch you guys work together. It's it's uh, obvious you enjoy it and and are uniquely uh, gifted to uh, to serve side by side. That's awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for saying that. Okay, here's the question number four. Is this mine or yours? Go for Oh, it. it's mine. Okay, I'll take it. Okay, you can travel to anywhere in the world or anywhere. Where would you travel, and what snack would you take?
0: Ooh. So this is, uh, it, for 15 years, my wife and I saved up credit card points and airline points. Cause we knew that someday we wanted to take our kids to Europe. Uh, but when we started that, we only had one, uh, we had two kids. And, and so last summer we finally cashed in all the points and took the kids to London and Paris. And now we need to go back, uh, because, uh, there were so many things that, like our teen our teenagers were typical teenagers about, and we're like, we've been saving fifteen years for this, and so I want to go. I want to take Jennifer back to London, and I, I and and do the London things, and go out to eat, and and catch a show, and and uh, and walk through the park. But 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 it has to be in the spring when it's sunny there, because like I don't I don't really do well with like day after day of gray, so and i know that that's typically what the weather is there but yeah we went so we went last last may and it was sunny every day and uh and we we really enjoyed that so so that would be my spot that's what i was thinking about this morning like got to figure out my wife and i just had our our 24th wedding anniversary on monday Yay! congrats so this, oh thanks thanks yeah so for 25 it needs to be a trip <laughs> so i was already thinking about this question this morning uh thinking about what we're going to do for 25 years so I don't know if we'll do that or not, but if to answer the question, what's the spot and what's the snack, that would be the spot. And my latest snack that I'm obsessed with, and it's such a high calorie snack that I can consume. I can eat a thousand calories in probably five minutes is, is it's terrifying. And you would think it's healthy, but it's not, it's from Trader Joe's and it's the peanut butter caramel popcorn. It's,
1: oh.
0: I know it's my favorite thing. It's That's my so favorite, like some people are like, oh, it's my, my favorite thing is tiramisu or, or uh, Andy's frozen custard. If you've ever been to Springfield, Missouri, it's like, no, 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 no. Just give me some of that caramel peanut butter popcorn. I'll down the whole bag, the whole <laughs> bag. And I did. I did the other night because I, I that we don't have a Trader Joe's here in Springfield. So I bought some when I was uh, traveling recently. And I thought, I'm just going to eat a little bit of that before bed. I sat on the bed and ate the whole bag, which is six servings at 140 calories a serving. Does that get us north of north of a thousand? Gets Almost. us pretty close.
1: Borderlining, but that's why you run every morning. Okay, keep that I, running going. Oh, popcorn oh, is no. a treat.
0: At my <laughs> age, I can't keep up. That, I can't keep up with my appetite though. Well, last night I had broccoli and salmon. So, oh, there you it's go. A, it's a it's a balanced heart healthy <laughs> obsession. But yeah, give me some of that peanut butter caramel popcorn from Trader Joe's and a couple of economy class tickets to uh, to London, and we're in good shape.
1: Okay. Well, we could maybe take. Care of the popcorn aspect because we do have a Trader Joe's, so
0: yeah, you do might expect they got they have everything in the cities. You guys, people that have never been to Minneapolis, they may not know this. Minneapolis, in my opinion, is the absolute best of the Midwest. Mm -hmm. People from Chicago would disagree. They'd be like, "Oh no, Chicago's best city." No, it's it's Minneapolis. Like I love 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 Minneapolis. The food, uh, any 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 franchised store that you like to go to, uh, like whether it's food or or electronics or clothing any of course mall of america has all that i because talking about the mall of america i was like i don't care but then like uh parker dickerson took me there he was at cedar valley there for yep. a little bit he took me there and i'm like this is a micah took me there once i'm like this is it's all here and and i it, this is awesome
1: yep and, and i'm
0: not even a shopper i don't like to shop i prefer online but it's, anyway i'm rambling oh, oh it's fun I do love the cities though.
1: Well, if you're ever here, let us know. We can take you to the the market. Oh,
0: I certainly will. I certainly will. (laughs) I want to come visit your, I want to come visit your young adult, uh, conferences. I know that Josiah sent me a couple of different, um, gatherings that you guys do. And I'm so, I'm so wanting to just gather as much information as I can on, on, uh, what's working and, and, uh, just being part of that network. We love that. Well, March 1st and
2: 2nd, we've got some fun things planned. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2024, it'll be in Minneapolis. There's uh, some fun things we're working on. TBD. So it, it would be fun to have. TBD. Here. Yeah. It would be amazing. We'll talk more. Work
1: on the details. For but,
2: sure. Josh, amazing conversation. If you could leave the listener with one piece of encouragement
0: or hope or advice, what are you leaving them with today? Yeah, well, in the context of eighteen to, you know, thirty year olds, it it and we've already touched on this a little bit, but just this idea that that um, that God's got a plan, and if you'll just keep coming back for more, uh, just keep coming back for more. That's my that's my like standard advice for everything. Like, just keep coming back for more, because because you're it, it it's fun to do things well and with excellence. It's fun to have um, the experience and the, you know, God gives us all talent, but it's fun to get to a place where you've, the Lord has, has allowed you to develop that to where you're good at things. Um, It's fun to be successful. Nobody wants to be a failure. It's fun, fun, fun to do all those things, but those things only come. and, And I say all that. Some of us start off C plus and you don't get to excellence without coming back for more. And so for me, it's just a lesson of coming back from where coming back, it will, you will improve, you will get better. You do get another chance to try again at something. And so that's my, that's kind of my life advice. And for those in the post-college season, how exciting. If you'll just give yourself to serving, if you'll give yourself to the community of faith, the Lord will open up opportunities and uh and mentors the things you're craving uh god's gonna give those things in due time so that's my rambling advice i guess Mm, love it i
1: love it it's good
0: josh thanks so much man well you guys are great thank you so much it's fun to it's fun to visit on here this is the young adults today podcast